Hello and welcome to episode 61 of the Film Yak Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. I'm JR. Sorry. <laughs> and Jonathan. And uh, this week we're here to talk about Kevin's pick, the 1984 film, uh, The Bounty, the retelling of the Captain Bly Fletcher Christian mutiny. And uh, our second British maritime film. Yes. On the podcast after yes. Master and Commander. Yeah. Sure, I thought it was interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, we'll see which one is better. Uh, so, yeah. How's everybody doing today? Doing good. Pretty good. Great. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for the sake of brevity, uh, we just discussed we're going to go ahead and jump right over all the trailers and all the nonsense and get right into what we watched. So who wants to begin now, I noticed that Kevin had watched 17 films since the last fucking time we recorded, which I think is pretty absurd. I thought I had a lot. I have like five. <laughs> Kevin's also been off since last oh, Friday. Well, so. there you go. <laughs> I, I, took, I took Monday off, and I was uh, really excited to be able to watch one movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I'll open us up because... So, just seeing Will Smith as... You know, genie? the genie in this Aladdin remake looks great. <laughs> they changed the definition of great overnight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I just think it looks so fucking ridiculous. From the like, director of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. And I mean, Snatch. how are you gonna? <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Rock and Rolla. Like yeah, he's he's really uh, yeah he's really drinking the Disney Kool Aid over there, man. He really must be. And him, like, he, him and Tim Burton. Yeah, because that just looked so fucking ridiculous. And, like, I had just rewatched the original Aladdin before I saw that, and it was like, you know, like Coinc- that was the. F- coincidentally, or? No, because I'd been meaning to, oh, okay. meaning to rewatch it again. Yeah. Like, if you look at my letterbox recently, like, you notice a lot of things start with the letter A. I haven't noticed yeah. that, actually. Yeah. That's so, interesting. You've been watching alphabetical order? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I made a project for myself because I was bored at work one day and made a Excel spreadsheet with a lot of stuff that I need to watch again. So, yeah. Cool. Slow going. Kind of but Oh, yeah. Aven- Avengers, Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was wondering why you watched the uh, Ray Fiennes Avenger <laughs> with, was- with the Avengers Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Like that's uh, that's weird. Yeah, actually, that was actually a mistake on my part because, like, I was like, okay, the Avengers Blu-ray, send it to me, and then like I go into the back to check my holds, and I'm like, the the uh, this one, what? Oh, oh, yeah, you accidentally got that one. Yeah, and, but you still watched it. Yeah, I still watched it because I had seen it before, and I was like, you know, I might as well. <laughs> and then like, you know, I regretted it because it's. At 89 minutes, and it's entirely too long, and it's really stupid. 89 minutes is too long. <laughs> 89 minutes is way too long. Ne- yeah. Oh, that's nice. But anyway, back to Aladdin. Yeah. Like, that was the first thing I had ever seen Robin Williams in, and like his stuff still holds up so, so well. And, you know, this golden age for Disney, you know, the Disney Renaissance, like, really coming into it with like all like the really good songs and you know really good animation yeah like you know you go back and you look at it you know early 90s and it's actually still really good and really holds up very well and then you see this shit that they're trying to you know give us with you know 
you know, these new characters and a blue Will Smith. It's like, no, y'all, y'all don't need, y'all did not need to do this. This is good money that was wasted on, on this. I don't think and, they, they probably don't see it that way after the billion they dollar don't. weekend they're they going to have. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, this is the, yeah, the original Aladdin rules. It's it a five out of five. And I don't know if I go that high, but it, it is good. The, well, uh, I mean, how know. did the live action uh, Beauty and the Beast do? They're all successful, extremely yeah. successful. Made a billion yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. They all make lots of money. Because that's the thing. Like the target audience now has you know like a little bit of money to spend, and they you know have kids that they want to sure. take to see this stuff. Sure. So it's a perfect time for everyone who saw those movies in the theaters growing up to come back and see these reboots to relive the magic and have their kids experience mm-hmm. this magic. So, the real question so is... So props oh. to Disney for an um, amazing marketing campaign. The real question is what happens when they run out of the the classic ones and they start having to do like Hunchback of Notre Dame and, uh, you know, like how are they going to do Pocahontas? You know what I mean? When new, the new world's already been made. So, like... <laughs> I'm sure they'll find a way. Maybe. I, I can feel, see them I, doing I like Mulan they, or something. I don't know if they would do Pocahontas. I, don't know. They, I think they were supposed With to like do a live PC action move on, weren't they? I mean, I'm sure they. Mulan. Yeah, they're planning on. I'm sure they're planning on doing them all. Right. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Like that's the thing. Like they'll do like a Pocahontas or a Mulan, but they'll accentuate so hard that hey, we have an all Native American cast. Right. Or we have an all Chinese cast. Well, you and, have to. You know, like except for like um, Eddie Murphy's character in Mulan will probably be played. You know, by, by Will Smith. Yeah, or you know, <laughs> or their, or if they you know now. if they really want to do to do it right, they could get like Hannibal Burris or somebody. That's probably exactly what they'll do. They'll get whoever the new alt comedy guy they'll is. Get Eric yes. Andre, yeah, yeah Eric exactly, Andre, yeah, exactly, or one of the Key and Peele guys, the one who didn't win the Oscar. Yeah, probably they can afford him. Yeah, probably Key because yeah. he's Key. Yeah, yeah, Key. key? <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, he's in a lot more of those kinds of places than Peel is. Right. So. Thanks for joining us, Jr. Appreciate it. <laughs> he's just now plugging in his headphones ten minutes into the show. <laughs> All right. I uh, got this up and moving. I probably fucked up the whole recording up to now. No, so. you're good. Moving on, Jonathan? Uh, real quick. I just, Has it been here in a month and a half? Want to <laughs> catch up a little I bit? I could go back, but I'm not going to go back that far. Well, you can well go back watch the Fire Festival documentary the, which one netflix the nev- no the uh hulu the hulu one fire fraud uh yeah i still need to watch the other one it was okay um i watched fahrenheit 11 9 me too uh, did you yeah cool anybody else watch that yet no i watched it over no. the weekend with nicole you you want to just talk yeah, about it now? yeah okay. absolutely uh i felt like it was a little all over the place oh wow that's so funny like, like you know i first commented to nicole after we watched it yeah it's his it felt like his most focused documentary really? in so long <laughs> like it it, it 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 seems like he's like you know he has an idea of what he's doing but it like it really felt like it was like all over the fucking place like, I mean, he's I, like I, connecting like like he's got the board with like the the yarn like it's, it's, it's <laughs> like it was it was pretty extreme i could see how all those things connected i guess it all makes my sense thing. it's just like like, like, end, like when he when he jumps to the um the shooting in florida for a second i was like i'm not sure that this is something that relates but then yeah. the way that they sh- the i don't know the way they edited it together or something i was like oh yeah i guess that does that is like part of the issue you know yeah and, they're talking they're just kind of talking about like the entire like liberal movement at this time which is all like yeah you know going against trump and his politics so i i i don't know i i i really enjoyed it and i really hate to say like i i mean i enjoy i think it's a really i think he makes good documentaries he's he's 
he's got a sense of humor that works for me and uh i just enjoy watching his stuff and it's like not not a little bit of it is the fact that he's you know he's preaching to the choir like i you know yeah i, I agree with most of the stuff he's saying and well I, I think some of it's bashing like liberals as well though. oh like, he does he, he's definitely critiquing, he takes like, all, he takes on obama hard the man. whole hor- obama like yeah the michigan thing drinking oh, that the water was brutal. i didn't even know that i didn't either I was, yeah yeah that was insane he goes crazy. to he, not michigan no is it michigan yeah flint yeah, michigan he's in flint, yeah. and uh he like fake drinks the water there to make it look like it's okay and this is after you get like 30 minutes straight of like him basically breaking down the governor the governor and showing how ridiculously corrupt he is yeah and uh yeah And you you think that, like, he's like, in the film, he's like, you know, all these people think that Obama's coming to, like, rescue them. And he kind of sides with the governor almost. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's pretty extreme. But, uh, yeah, it felt a little scatterbrained, but, like, all of the, everything he talks about in the entire documentary is pretty valid. Yeah. Like, it's very eye-opening. Yeah, I I, I, I liked it. I I don't, um, it feels like a movie, like, Fahrenheit 9-11 is a movie that I enjoyed a lot when I first saw it. And now I watch it and it's like completely, it feels completely irrelevant because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's about people who, you know, aren't even in, they're not in power anymore. They're, they're gone. It's just like a relic of the past and it has not, and it's really doesn't work. I feel like out of context. And I feel like this film will be the same way in 10 years. It'll be completely <laughs> pointless to even watch it. But right now I love it. <laughs> Four and a half out of five. I gave it a three. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> but go watch it again. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> right, JR? Well, speaking of uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, I, uh, I watched Vice, oh, which nice. is nominated oh, yeah. for Best Picture. <laughs> hey, yeah, can, I, can I just say real quick that I was go- – okay, uh, we got – my mom to babysit for two nights in a row over the weekends just so we could watch best picture nominees and mm-hmm. we just couldn't do it i really i, I was like we we're like let's go see vice today and when the time came around i was like i do not i have no yeah. i cannot go <laughs> force myself to watch this movie shouldn't have watched the trailer we were gonna watch yeah. green book we were gonna watch uh uh, uh even like stuff that i want to see like we were gonna watch roma and i was just like i don't i don't want to be obligated to watch this shit so we just decided <laughs> to watch other stuff instead and it was it was great right <laughs> i'm not gonna let the oscars run my fucking life you still okay? haven't watched black panther no and i never will you know what yeah, fuck I mean, marvel <laughs> i've said it before and i'll say it again i'm done with marvel i cannot do it i'm not doing it to myself i don't care what gets nominated it's not gonna win anyway i started watching roma but i haven't finished it yet i started i'm a half an hour into it i just, <laughs> that's the only one i kind of actually want i see. do want to see roma I do. yeah after jr said that he wanted us to see it and hate it and uh <laughs> like, not, i was like that's not what i said <laughs> it was something similar it was something similar to that i, just I, I want to complain it. about it but i don't want to okay, do that okay okay right i don't yeah, want to be that don't, guy yeah. <laughs> don't complain about it until we see and it I, right i don't hate, i don't hate roma I just you don't. two and a half hate Roma. It's an average movie. So, so far, <laughs> it feels like a two, it feels like a two and a half. Okay, but yeah, we'll, we'll it's see. hard to tell. Mm. Jr. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Vice is bad. <laughs> How bad? Uh, Worse than The Big Short. Yeah, and I really hated The wow. Big Short. That's so, hard. Uh, that's hard to if believe. If you liked the if you like The Big Short, you might like the tone and style of this, mm. but. Of my own. I, just... <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't. I can barely get through the trailer of this movie. It's there extreme. is a there's a flashback in that interrupts every single scene. Uh, it's it 
it thinks it's moving at a very quick pace, but it's 130 minutes, so it's it's like being in like a, a quick cut hell for two hours. <laughs> um, I I almost like shouted for joy because exactly halfway through the film, that and they're 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 going like sort of chronologically through his uh his career. It gets to the point where he leaves uh, politics and becomes a uh, like a CEO for Halliburton, and there's like a, and then the Dick Cheney family lived happily ever after, never getting into the public <laughs> life again. And there's like an actual scroll of credits, and I was like, "This wow. is great. This is this was a really bad seventy minute movie, but I'm out." And uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's what my heart they tricked you was shouting, and, and obviously I you know. I hadn't been in the theater all day yet, so I knew it wasn't true, uh, <laughs> but I really wanted it to be, and uh, just keeps going, and uh, you know, it's this is like a you know a movie that panders really hard to its its uh, intended demographic, which mm-hmm. again is also me, but they're not giving me anything new, they're not making Dick Cheney or his wife interesting in any way. Uh, they they kind of like purposely make him like an just like an empty vessel as though he has no emotions or feelings about anything which is is it's just it feels like a cop out in in the moment like like oh he's barely accountable cuz he's just the actual devil like <laughs> the just, devil it's... is who uh inspired Christian Bale to play him so right. he he thanked him in his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes um and you know Christian Bale is not awful like he he doesn't really have any big showy scenes where he overdoes it and you know he gets the cheney voice and look down uh but you know after after three best picture nominees of this quality i am i just like i can't do this shit anymore (laughs) i don't know this is like ruining my life do you have anything left (laughs) yeah i have uh I have a Star is Born left, which I'm supposed to watch tonight with my wife. Just do it, man. Yeah, look, I, uh, see, now I'm, I'm with you about ruining life ruining. Like, this is why I didn't put myself through this, because I don't want to kill myself. <laughs> I don't want to hang myself in the closet at my school in the classroom, okay? And that's what would happen if I force-fed myself this. Green Book, Vice, and Black yeah, Panther ex- back to back. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but a I, Star I don't think you would have after Black Panther and Roma. Well, a star is but, born is is at least like I say is at least competent and it won't I don't think it's going to drive you insane to watch it. I hope I hope. I, hope. I, I really hope, hope you don't hate it. I I don't think you're going to like it as much as I liked it, but I don't think you're going to hate it. I'm on the I'm on the edge. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm right on the edge. I don't know what comes next. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, I gave this I gave Vice a, a one and a half out of a uh, out of yeah. 5. That's Where does it stand in your uh list of nominees? It's I, like bottom bottom thirty, bottom forty, something like that. It's brutal. For it's, our first time listeners short. For our first time listeners, JR has a comprehensive list of all of the films that have ever been nominated for Best Picture, and he has them ranked. And it's somewhere in the five hundreds, and Vice is very nearly at the bottom. <laughs> like yep. maybe eight or nine slots from the bottom. No, that, maybe, no, no, maybe no, no, that's maybe that's Bohemian quite, Rhapsody. No, Bohemian Vice Rhapsody is, is five spots from the bottom. Vice is uh, about, I think, 25 or 26 oh, I, spots I, from the bottom. I could have swore it was lower than that when I looked at your list, but I mean. 
But yeah, so Letterbox Police over here. Anyway, uh, follow, <laughs> follow me at Letterbox at uh, JM Ryan Eight for all my comprehensive lists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, Kevin. So I finally finished wrapping up watching all of Christopher Nolan's movies. Um, all right, so Jonathan. I, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, like uh, so. Like last time, I meant to talk about Insomnia. Um, yeah, Insomnia is one of those movies that like. So I've seen the original, and now I rewatch this, and like I think the biggest problem with Insomnia is the story. It's just trying to cram in entirely too many things, and like really to the detriment of like some good performances. So you know, three out of five, mm. and following his first feature, which is only like seventy minutes, but still pretty boring. Um, so yeah, as far as like, like I also have, um, uh, the ranked list on letterbox, which you can find, follow me at Kevin Quizboy. Um, prestige is number one. Dunkirk is number two. Um, yeah. Cool. That John, there's, there's <laughs> interstellar on that list. The very bottom. Wow. It's, it's oh. the worst. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty. See the thing about worse than following. <laughs> Just well, yeah. See, well, that was the thing about Interstellar, like, like the Batman movies and Following and some of his other stuff. It's like, okay, like this, this is like just bad, but it's not, you know, like, like Interstellar is insulting, mm-hmm. and like, it's the pinnacle of, you know, what people like will say about Nolan, him being so you know, seemingly intelligent and, you know, like a thinking man's filmmaker who can blend in blockbuster elements. Like, this is the worst of the worst but of he, his stuff. But he had an actual, that. like, physicist help him, like... That's great! <laughs> that's fantastic! That makes it worse to me. Actually, it does. I, I, well, I don't know why. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I, I think I talked about it, like, last time. Like, so, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, Matt Damon realizes that his mission is big spoiler is totally fucked not even in the credits (laughs) yeah like yeah because he doesn't show up for like two hours yeah and so like so matt damon decides that he's gonna go evil and save himself and you know fuck everybody else so not only does this brilliant scientist who they've spent the entire movie talking about how brilliant and brave he is not only is he like no fuck it everything is meaningless he also decides to become super stupid and, oh, the airlock isn't perfectly engaged. I'll just open the fucking door and get blasted into outer space. And it's like, mm-hmm. so... <laughs> He's gone crazy. <laughs> crazy and stupid. <laughs> like, like all of a sudden, like, all of this man's knowledge about what goes into being an astronaut just flies out the door because he's now evil. And but at least it's Matt Damon and Matt McConaughey. You know what I mean? At least you get like big names. Am I right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. who 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 do you get in two thousand one? Care Dullia? Yeah. Give me a fucking break, right? <laughs> I want the Dreamboats in there. Anne Hathaway. Right. See, that's why you would like two thousand ten. Roy Scheider. There you go. John Lithgow. Yes. Bob Balaban. Yes. Helen Mirren. Yes. And and the, the superstar director Peter Hyams. Yeah, the guy yeah. who gave us Outland. <laughs> Outland. <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery on a space station with Cap- a shotgun. Capricorn 1's not bad. <laughs> All, right. All right, Jonathan. 
Uh, I watched Shane Black's The Predator. <laughs> yeah. I heard uh, uh, Jake Busey's in this one, eh? He is. He is. And That's he exciting. Looks, yeah. He looks weird. No. I don't know. <laughs> it's not exciting. <laughs> this is a shit storm. I mean, this is like <laughs> this is fucking feces hurricane. Like it's it's incredibly bad. Incredibly bad. The CG like uh, the CG alone oh. is like mind-numbingly it's bad. CG blood. Oh yeah. Oh no. And uh <laughs> There's like the super predator who's like 15 feet tall or something, and he's kind of cool. No, it's it's all CG, and it's just like it's so crazy bad. How would you not do a CG 15 foot tall predator? I don't know. Kevin I, Nash. I, don't, I don't care. Camera work. Yeah, <laughs> camera work. In camera tricks. Olivia Munn is in this, and that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I'm done. Like I don't. <laughs> she's you know, like Olivia she's Munn. She's rough, dude. I don't know. She is actually pretty. Well, Psylocke. It's not I so like much her. her. I she she like, looks that part of Psylocke, but like that's it. She's she, if she just stands there and says nothing, she looks great. But like that's uh, that's I mean, bordering on offensive. But I mean, I'm sorry. She's a terrible <laughs> actress. She looks the part though. Like she like looks. She's like attractive. Yeah. I mean, I no, she it. looks like literally it. looks like the comic yeah, book character. Nice ass, right? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but she's terrible. I know she, I'm sorry. She's horrible. Well, it's also the writing for her character in particular is really bad. Yeah, it's it's crazy bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like like there's that. That line about, uh, well, you know, they say people who are on the spectrum, that's not really a disease. That's just the next step of human evolution. Yeah, so this movie... So uh, it's incredibly offensive. There's so many ridiculous layers to this movie. There's, like, the ragtag bunch of, like, outcast military guys. I'm like, okay, like... Including our friend Key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there's so, like there's like three different movies happening at once. There's a predator movie, then there's like this like reject military group movie, and then there's like the savant child who like solves all the problem movie. It's it's so ridiculous. It's like the most over complicated, but not complicated. It's stupid. Did you see the I nice guys? Yes. Did you like the nice guys? It was okay. Okay. I just think if it's a problem with Shane Black's direction at all or I just think it's like it, he just takes like, Did you see like, Iron Man 3? <laughs> yes, and it was horrible. It um, was really bad. <laughs> he takes like this the simple story of Predator, which is just a simple story. Yeah. And just like should he have remade Predator? No, not don't remake it, but it's like this this story is like way too there's way too much shit going on. I agree. The thing the thing that I don't that didn't that turned me off about the Predator this new dogs? One. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> it's stuff like that. It's yeah. it's when you extant, expand yeah. into the mythos yeah. uh, like it's uh, there's some kind of universe that we're unaware. Like I don't want to know about that universe. I like the mystery of there's a single hunter and he's taking us apart one by Honestly, one we got to fix. It would have been better if he would have just remade the second one. Predator too, like it, with Jake Busey playing. Is does he play his son? Yeah, Gary Busey's son. Yeah, same last name. Oh wow, that was cool. is that? Yeah, okay. it. Is that actually um, clear in the movie? I don't remember that. Yeah, it's um, what's what's his name? No. But anyway, it would have been better if he would have just made that because like yeah. the Predator in in a city, you know that that's, cool that's, that's, that's a cool idea. Yeah, but it's like you just throw the all the shit jungle. on top, and like the main character's son has autism or whatever, and he's like he. <laughs> He like solves all these like he like instantly learns the alien language and shit. I'm just like this is ridiculous. It's a savant, man. It's it, no, no. <laughs> that, I, I, <laughs> that's that's the thing though. Like, like it you know it could have been you know just a kid who's smart and you know together and with it. Because yeah. like when you first see him, like he's like solving chess problems and like putting pieces back where you know like he's got it all memorized, like 15 different chess boards. And then you and then Bobby Fisher. 
Basically, yeah. But then, like, this uh, fire alarm goes off, and, like, he puts his hands to his ears because he's sound sensitive. Sure. And, Have you yeah, guys seen Mercury so. Rising? Nope. No. Bruce Willis? JR? No. It's a movie mm-hmm. about an autistic kid who solves a government like code thing and they try to murder him and all right uh bruce willis is like a rogue fbi agent he has to like protect him it's not bad i mean i don't want i don't want to bash this movie like too hard because it's it's obviously you say it was a feces hurricane it, but. it, it is <laughs> but it, it, it's it's not supposed to be like completely serious i guess but like sure it yeah, was just I mean, not good i don't know well kind of a waste of time to watch different strokes for different folks i guess yeah. what'd you give yeah. it gave it a one <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I really regretted watching it. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Jr. <laughs> I watched High Flying Bird. You want to talk High Flying Bird? Sure. Yeah. So High Flying Bird is the new Soderbergh picture. It's on Netflix, and I shot it with an iPhone. Uh, his second film shot with an iPhone. Looks and, good. And uh, I okay. Well, jumping jumping right into the look of it, I would say it looks way better than Unsane. Yes, I think it's the best looking iPhone shot film I've seen, having seen and a few now. I, I only really noticed it in a couple scenes. Me too. Yeah, I think he uses it really smartly. Like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't go beyond its capability very often, oh. and uh, some of the movements are really smart with it and just interesting. I don't know. I, I, I really I dug the look of it a lot, and uh, it's about a, a sports agent who's trying to. Uh, well, it's kind of weird. He's like, he, you, you don't really find out until the end, but what he's really trying to do is in the lockout for his, uh, for the NBA. But throughout the film, you think he's trying to do other things, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, it stars Andre Holland also from, uh, he's the black surgeon on the Nick. Yeah. 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 And I think and he was in moonlight. Mm. When did this, that's right. He was in moonlight. <laughs> did this just come out? Yeah. They just released it? Like last Friday or the Friday. Trevante Rhodes from The Predator was also in Moonlight. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I thought he was better in The Predator than in Moonlight. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that? He's a. In Moonlight. In Moonlight, he's like the. He's Chiron grown up. All the way grown up? With with Andre Holland then? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. And I, I think he's the worst part of Moonlight. Wow, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind him. I, I do like, I, I, I like Andre Holland though. I've just always, yeah, I've yeah. liked him ever since I watched The Nick, and uh, I think he's really, I think he's pretty good in in High Flying Bird. High Flying Bird's a really talky movie though. There's like a lot of like Aaron Sorkin esque, uh, or almost like David Mamet kind of stuff going mm-hmm. on a lot. They're talking really fast and about things that I don't 100 percent understand because I don't watch sports. Right. So Jr., do you are you a basketball head? Uh, yes, I love basketball, and I I definitely think that contributed to me really enjoying this movie. Yeah, because it gets it definitely gets into like the nitty gritty of like contracts and player owner relationships and player team relationships in basketball, and I really enjoy that. I liked I enjoy the procedural element of all that. I just you know I wish that I understood some of it better. Some of the things it, that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, I was, I was a little annoyed because it is, you know, it's keeping you in the dark on purpose. Yeah. Like, I I couldn't really figure out. I couldn't figure out uh, Andre Holland and Zazie Beats' is a relationship for a while, and then I felt like I wasn't really supposed to at the end. And I was like, oh well, I don't know. Like somehow he has positioned her as like taking over uh as like the the players union rep eventually and i i don't really know how realistic that was or why that was part of the movie but 
Zezzy Beats is good. I was listening to another podcast and they said, um, "Who's who's <laughs> fuck fuck me, man? What what is the guy's name? Kyle Chandler? Yeah, no, Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Sorry, I couldn't think of his name. Anyways, star of Showgirls. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, not the guy from Super Eight. I was listening to a podcast and uh, they they were like, "I don't know who Kyle McLaughlin is in this movie." And I was like, when I listened to it, when I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know who he was either. Who was he? <laughs> like, who is he in this movie?" I mean, I think he's supposed to be. I know he's on the side of the NBA, but like, I don't know who oh, no. he is. He, I think he's he's an owner. Like, he's the owner that has been like tasked with being the head negotiator. Okay. Uh, and it sounds like he's the owner of a New York team, so I imagine he's like the stand-in for the New York Knicks. I uh, I really enjoyed Kyle McLaughlin's performance in this. I thought it was uh, pretty good. I don't know, just rather subdued and not like I normally am used to seeing him. Just mainly because I just you know you've watched, Twin but Peaks also and... is like a a pretty confident asshole. Oh yeah, not... definitely, <laughs> definitely. Now and again, I did just watch Showgirls for the first time, where he is also <laughs> a confident a confident asshole, but very different. Right, his confidence comes from his dong in Showgirls, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his ability to bang in a pool. <laughs> That scene was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I gave a uh, high flying bird a four, three and a half. Sorry, three and a half. But I really, I did like it quite a bit. And I gave it a four. It's just like it, it's not quite up to, you know, some other sort of like talky thrillers that uh, Steven True. Soderbergh can do. I agree. It's minor it, Soderbergh. It is good. It is definitely worth eighty five minutes of your Netflix time. Yeah, it's pretty short. Kevin. So I actually also rewatched 2001 and 2010 and 2001 is definitely still a masterpiece still holds up very very well still looks amazing it's so well done the um like you know yeah it doesn't have a whole lot of like dialogue in it but it's not about the dialogue this is a movie that's you know very much an experience and you know I'm not a one to attach huge significant philosophical meanings to it but yeah as a piece of cinema history yeah it's required watching classic yeah 2010 is a little different you know it takes place in the eight well it was made in the 80s and like there's actually like you know threat of nuclear war going on at the time and there's even a point where like this nurse is reading a Time magazine, and um, Arthur C. Clarke is the stand-in for the U.S. president, and Kubrick is the stand-in for the Russian premiere, <laughs> which I still thought was pretty funny. That's not bad. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I said earlier, Roy Scheider, John Lithgow, Bob Balaban, these great... Peter, Peter great, Hines. Great, yeah. Great character he directed actors. Time Cop. I mean... How are you going to get better than that? <laughs> right. Van Damme's best Time, film. Time Cop is good. It is. Right. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 2001, 5, 2010, 4. Um, cool. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. And so I also went back and rewatched American History X, which I've heard that there was some controversy surrounding, like, the actual making of the movie. Like, apparently there was some... They took it away from him. Yeah, they took it away from Tony Kay and... I think he's done like Ed Norton two. edited it himself. Right. And which, which like even, it's even true. watching it, like it's like, dude, like you didn't like, while you were doing principal photography, you didn't, 
do enough in this to warrant you being the one to go in and re-edit this thing. Like his performance is decent, and like there's a really there's a really good shot where like right after he makes the guy bite the curb yeah. and stomps on his head. Sure. Like you know, so he's like you know skinhead, shaved head, and he's got like like this goatee, and like the way Tony K frames him with the black and white. Like, he looks like pure Satan when he's, like, raising his eyes at Edward Furlong. Oh, and that's yeah, just yeah, yeah. When he's getting arrested. Yeah, yeah, it's a spectacular shot. Absolutely. But, like, the rest of the movie is very, like, just obvious and, you know, kind of over the top in a more comical way than you would think for a movie with this kind of subject matter. And it it's really, like, it's really preachy. Really preachy. Like, you know... It just has to hammer home like racism. Racism is bad. Racism is bad. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> like you've spent the entire movie like showing us what hatred does to people and how it tears apart this this family. And then at the end, spoiler alert. So Edward Furlong gets shot, mm-hmm. and um, you know, so Great what? Blood so split. yeah. So what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So whatever lesson he could have taken away at the end of this movie is just like, nah, fuck you. You're dead. Well, like you have that, That's what happens, man. Isn't that the I guess, that's the but, point, isn't it? That he's he's a changed person. He's on his he's on the way to a better life, but now but now his past sins, namely him, you know, uh being racist and specifically with that kid who shot him, I guess, uh is going to uh catch up with him, you know? can't escape it i guess but like wouldn't you like once a character's learned a lesson like wouldn't you want to you know maybe see them succeed in that i mean i can, I can get with you maybe no, i'm just kidding with you i don't know i mean I don't, I don't know how else you end the movie honestly like i i like the i for me him dying is a means to get the best the best death reaction scene on film like Edward Norton in that scene when he's screaming no and everything like that's so real to me it's super fucking raw and real and I don't like I feel like that's so easy to do wrong in that situation I have an actor you know no (laughs) but but he just does it it's so it just feels very real I don't know yeah I definitely see where you're coming from I just still I don't know I think it could have been better I'll be uh, rewatching this in American Beauty, and I'll I'll, I'll have my rebuttals next week. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen I this in a long time, but yeah. I, I, it's there's probably a reason that this resonates very well for fourteen and fifteen year olds of a, like a certain time. Yeah, like this is this is definitely one of those file under you know this was cinema gold when I was like 16, 17. I mean, I agree with that. I felt the same way, but I, part of that feels like it's, we're all saying that because that's the age we were when it came out. I mean, I, I, yeah, I feel for like sure. for me in my mind right now, and I haven't seen it in a little bit, but I've seen it a lot. And uh, for me, it transcends other films from that time. Like we were talking about fight club and American beauty and things like that. For me, American history X is better than those films and really? it, and it works better. Uh, I feel like it would work better now if I rewatched all of those back to back. It would be the best one. Right, yeah. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm yeah, like I gave it again. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I gave it three and a, uh, three out of five. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, American Beauty was just a two. But... I also have, like, t- I'm, I have, like, I'm, I have a little bit of, like, uh, history wrapped up with Tony K, too. Like, I like his other films. I like Detachment a lot. I like, uh, Lake of Fire 
a mm. lot, even I'm though it's a, I'm incredibly a big, difficult. big League of Fire fan. Yeah, it's difficult to watch, but it's a great, great film. And uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I just I like the guy. I wish he would do more stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like uh, like I want I want to see. Like I was hoping I could read up and like find that there was like some DVD or Blu-ray release that like had his original cut. Oh yeah, no. Like I th- I think like like that's the thing about the movie like in the what they released like I'm thinking about like already I'm thinking about like I think this could have been better, this could have been better. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was. Cuz right. like apparently the the movie was like a good deal shorter, like 20 minutes shorter with his original edit and they wanted the studio and Edward Norton, I guess wanted more of whatever. So I feel like if you yeah. watch, if you watch detachment, which is this film about teaching mm-hmm. teachers, uh, it feels a lot more like less, less conventional. Like American history X is a, the narrative is relatively conventional, right? I mean, it's this, yeah, this yeah. story, this redemption story about you know Derek Vineyard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, in in detachment, it's like it's vignettes and it's choppy and uh, mm. it's a lot more melodramatic than right. than even American History X is. And there are parts of it that don't work nearly as well. Mm. But um, you know, you're dealing with kids and stuff, so it's kind of lame. But yeah. I don't know, okay. Jonathan. I uh, went to the theater and saw Alita Battle Angel. Um, and, and Rustin, for the record, loved this thing, right? Yeah, he was jerking off. But I mean, it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, dude. Uh, he loves those big eyes. <laughs> honestly, the big eyes, like, when it, it, you get used to it, and it's it's actually not bad. But uh, And it, they actually, like, put it into the plot, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. But anyway, without giving too much away, if you guys actually want to see this. But uh, the basic story is, like, there's this floating city with all the rich people and shit, and then, like, uh, like under it is like this shit town where like everybody does the work and sends up all the Elysium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one day Christoph Waltz finds a, a, like a half Android and then he turns it into her and I don't know. She like kicks ass and shit. Why? What's his purpose? Like he wants a sex slave or what? Uh, he had a daughter that died. So he wants to replace her with, I, I don't know. It's yeah. a little less sinister than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, his daughter. She, with that, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. Don't but like. Okay. I'm gonna see okay, it. Okay, I, I don't want to spoil. So, it. who's getting their third Oscar win for this movie? Mahershala or Kristoff? <laughs> Definitely Kristoff. Nobody. <laughs> James Cameron will win for Best Picture. He <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, I feel like we have a little bit of a. Uh, it feels like a little bit of a Valerian situation. Am I right? I mean, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love this thing, right? <laughs> And you I, hate I, it. I really don't know if you're going to like this. Really? I, I mean, there's like a huge like like young adult theme going on. I feel like like it's it's very like like uh-huh. a, a ragtag bunch of kids. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. she like gets like included in with this group of kids. And the the main actor uh, Rosa like, Salazar. No, no, I mean uh, his. It's like I don't know his name, but uh, he, Christoph Weitz. Okay, yeah. Waltz. No, no, not him. <laughs> it, it's some no name kid. I don't know. Anyway, oh, he, right, yeah. he's not good. Like I straight up, like, I've heard he's not good. He's not good. I have heard like that. it's pretty. Like not. Hugo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, whew, um, he, <laughs> he, he's bad, but uh, I mean, she's good and uh, Waltz is good. Everybody's like decent, and like the story, like honestly, it's like if it was done a different way, it could it could be pretty fucking awesome. But it feels what better or worse than I feel like you're just gonna say it's worse, but better or worse than Ghost in the Shell. The remake of Ghost in the Shell okay, with like, Scar Joe. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I feel like you like that I, I a little bit. I think it's worse than that, and that was not good. I remember you. you I gave you it a three. It was okay. It was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was. De- it had really good parts, but like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's this whole backstory. They like go into her backstory. I think they like they do the story pretty well because I mean it's like I don't know how many graphic novels it is or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, they go into her backstory and like the backstory is like kind of better than the actual movie. Like I just like I want to see that shit. Like and they, they'll do like like little flashbacks to it. I'm like that looks fucking amazing. Like it sounds so cool. Like they had this huge battle on the moon and shit. And it's like I'm like this sounds awesome. Gunships on fire <laughs> off the coast of Titan. <laughs> yeah, but, but they only show like yeah like 30 seconds of it, and she doesn't know who she is, so she's having these flashbacks every time something traumatic happens. Sure. But uh, I don't know. It's okay. I think it's worth watching though. I mean, gave it a two. You gave it a two? Mm-hmm. Oh, you gave it a two and a half. I, I, I bumped it down to a two. You bumped it down? After th- th- I thought about it for a little while. I was like, yeah, Ooh, ouch. It's a two. <laughs> it's a solid two. Well, I uh, finally got around to uh, watching Suspiria, the remake, and uh, this was the film that we decided to watch instead of subjecting ourselves to the uh, Oscar nominees. We said, you know what? Suspiria's on two iTunes. Two and a half hour dance horror. Yeah. Cool. So we were like, let's do it. And... Uh, my wife and I were big, big fans of uh, Call Me By Your Name. How's the Tom York soundtrack? So she wanted to see this just because of the director. And she doesn't like horror movies, and she doesn't know anything about uh, Argento's original or anything like that. But she wanted to see it because of the director, and she hated this movie with a passion. <laughs> she said she was going to give it a half or a zero. Uh, I think she ended up giving it a half. Um, but to answer Jonathan's question, Tom York's soundtrack is very good except for anything anytime you hear his voice and then you're just totally ripped out of the film. Yeah, I can imagine. It's brutal. Like at the Wait, very huh? There's vocal stuff on he has the a, score. He has a song that he recorded called Suspirium where he sings. It's like a big it's a hit on indie radio, man. Get with it. Um and it's like a piano driven just it's just like piano and him singing, but and it's not a bad song. It's just that when you hear it it's like plays over the credits of the film and it's oh the opening credits and I'm like I'm trying to pay attention to what's going on, and all I can hear is like Tom York. Ah! And I just, I, it's just, br- I can't do it, you know. Bring it up an octave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't hit the hit the notes that he hits, but uh, but the rest of the score I'd say is really appropriate. Um, he obviously does like a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you remember the uh, Greenwood score for uh, Inherent Vice, like all the can kind of stuff and like mm. the Krautrock shit that he gets into, like, and uh, he does some of that in this, mm, which cool. is cool because it's set in Berlin in the '70s. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the film. Uh, it's, I'm, so, I'm sorry. Did, have you seen the original? Yeah. Okay. I don't okay. like the original okay. at all. <laughs> um, but this one, actually, I like the score of the original a lot. But other than that, I don't, I don't not much there. This one is uh, extremely expansive uh, compared to the original. Like, there's a lot of more, a lot more plot, a lot more explanation of what's going on. It's from the perspective, more or less, uh, of the witches. As opposed to in the first one where you don't even know what's going on until the end and then you find out there is a witch. But in this one, it's like you you understand immediately that Tilda Swinton is like part of a coven of witches and they're running this dance school and they're trying to get this girl to, you know, sacrifice her or some shit, you know, to, <laughs> to, to, to save this other witch who's like elderly and dying. Hmm. They have to like you know, I don't know, replace her body or something. I don't know. They, they don't really get into that that much, but they do. There's the whole like, you know, chosen one versus whatever. Is Dakota Johnson that girl? Yeah. Well, not, at, not at first. At first, 
Chloe Grace Moretz is that girl. Okay. But she's already gone insane, and she's going to see a uh, psychiatrist who's an elderly man played by Tilda Swinton in makeup. And uh, <laughs> this is the part of the film that I like the most, actually. Tilda Swinton's performance as this old man is <laughs> unbelievable. It's she is. I'm not even like I'm not one of these people who who likes like who's like a Kate Blanchett Tilda Swinton worshiper. You know what I mean? Like these like indie film nerds who think that these are like the greatest actresses alive. But I'll tell you, man, her performance as this old man is so real. Like she gets all these like little mannerisms she does, and she, it's like this little. <laughs> Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's really fucking good. I really enjoyed that part of it. And her performance as the dance instructor is also fine. Um, but yeah, it gets very, very uh, graphically violent at points and uh, nasty, like really nasty. Uh, body fluids are involved other than blood. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, it's just a pretty, pretty intense viewing experience. And the last... 20 minutes I'd say are whatever kind of like artsy fartsiness you think you're getting into when you watch this film because it is like essentially an art film you know it's it get, it goes like full bore like it's extremely graphic at the end uh, and there's a lot of like decapitations and <laughs> it's pretty insane weakness for this film the reason I only gave it a four because I liked it. I would have given it a four and a half or a five. But Dakota Johnson is not a good actress. She is pretty bad um, mm. in this anyway. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. But she is absolutely terrible in this. She can dance really well. And she's nice to look at. <laughs> but other than that, can't can't do it. <laughs> but, yeah, give it a four. Check cool. it out, man. Check it out. Tilda Swinton plays a third role. But I won't spoil it. Uh, and her third role is pretty goofy, but <laughs> I like the movie overall. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the editing in this movie is insane. It's mm. like really bizarre and it's very unsettling. It unsettles you immediately. Right, right when you're like the first scene, just like there's just like they cut from these shots at the weirdest times. Like you're just, you're following a shot and all of a sudden it just cuts to a different shot. And you're like, what the fuck was that? Like, where, where was that <laughs> shot going? And Chloe Grace Moretz is like singing to herself and like she's out of her mind in the psychiatrist's office. It's a very, very interesting. I you gotta check it out. <laughs> nice. Anyway. JR. Um, let's see, what do I have next? I'll do a quick uh quick shout out to Shoplifters, which is uh Hirokazu Koreeda's latest movie that got a lot of praise last year and is also nominated for best foreign language film. Um, uh, to go like into any of the plot will spoil it. So I'll just, uh, I found this really great letterboxed review from, uh, a user named Ayana. Uh, Koreeda's films are like hugs until they punch you in the heart. And that is, uh, it's definitely true of this movie. It's, uh, it's in my top 10 of 2018. It's really good. Nice. Uh, and I watched if Beale street could talk last night. Uh, Barry Jenkins latest, um, uh, basically about, a, a young couple in New York who are separated when a, uh, like a, a dirty or at least racist cop frames a rape on him. And, uh, then once he's in prison, they find out that they are having a baby. 
And this has gotten a lot of praise for Regina King's performance as a mother of one of these couples. And this was the best score I heard last year, I think. Really love the music in this movie. Uh, most of the performances are really good. I think Regina King is probably a little bit overrated because she's only in the movie for a combined 10 minutes or so. <laughs> and uh, much like Moonlight, Barry Jenkins has built a movie around the worst performance in the movie, and I, I don't like that. Uh, the main character is people like Kiki Lane, and she's just like, She's not up to everyone else's quality. She's not as good as her partner, Stephen James, who's not as good as Brian Tyree Henry in his one scene. Okay. <laughs> They're not as good as Coleman Domingo. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying here. Although I would I would put all the onus on the, the male lead as well. I would I would I don't think he's any better than she is. I think they're both they feel very amateurish. I mean I don't think Again, I, I just said he's not as good as Brian Terry Henry. Nobody in the movie is as good as Brian Terry Henry, and <laughs> like he's he's incredible. Like yeah. his scene was unbelievably uh, for me. That was the best scene in the movie. I I really liked uh, the two fathers. Oh yeah, they, they were interact. great. Yeah, the bar scene like, when they talk that was good. Yeah, and and then the first scene where we meet uh, Stephen James's mother, who is awful, and his <laughs> yeah. sisters who are awful, yeah. like. I actually really didn't like that scene. I thought it went really over the top. Uh, but I think the two fathers, until until one father slaps a mother, which like it is like that act is not why I didn't like the scene. It's just like he had this just ridiculous like wind up to a backhanded slap. I was like, it just the theatricality of it was just <laughs> insane. Yeah. Um. Again, I, I really liked the fathers in that scene up to that point. Uh. But you're right. The the main two people are not they're just not very good and yeah. this girl who I think is the worst person in the movie is also narrating it and I just I got really sick of that. Um I, I just feel like the power of the story doesn't come through because of Kiki Lane and sometimes because Stephen James. Stephen James is not in the movie nearly as much as Kiki Lane is though. How about Dave Franco? What do you think of his scene? You know, I actually not bad. I like I didn't have a problem with Franco in that scene at all. I liked him. Yeah, um, he plays Jewish well. A lot of there were like there were a bunch of people that just had one scene, and a lot of those people are good. Like Diego Luna, just like talks oh, so Spanish good, for a minute and he's great. I know. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I want to see a movie about their friendship. Yeah. I don't even care about the rest of this shit. <laughs> he's so good. I, it, it's I, likable as fuck. <laughs> I think the only other one scene person I didn't like very much was the uh, the cop Ed Screen. Yeah, he's like got the most racist face on earth. Like yeah. he looks like the devil. He's got like this little mustache were... he's grown, and he's just his he's so gaunt, and he just he just looks evil. It's <laughs> <laughs> there were there were no surprises with him at all. Yeah, yeah, he's he's as evil as his face looks. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like Skeletor, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but. I've heard that a lot of people are like, are actually like listening to this score on Spotify and stuff, and I totally get that. It is, it's really good. I really don't remember the score. I feel bad. I, I like, I don't know that I uh, made note of it as I was watching, but I'll, I might check it out. I don't Who know. did the score? Great question. 
dude. I don't know. Look, who <laughs> fucking knows? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Nick, Nicholas Brit- Brittel. Excuse yeah. me. Nicholas Nick Brittel, man. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Although, so it, it sounds like, a, what's her name? Regina King is the favorite to win the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Oh, yeah. And I just can't imagine putting her against Rachel Weiss in the favorite, who just dominates parts of that movie. And yeah, but nobody saw that movie. Yeah. But nobody saw this either. That's true. But people, but you know, the I probably watch her scenes on YouTube or something. Like Regina <laughs> yeah. King is going to win an Oscar for that. She's got a, a, a an important scene in Puerto Rico. Um, and I don't, I don't know. That scene's also like too much. Who's so. the, isn't the girl somebody too? Is that Alice Braga or something? No, it's uh, Emily Rios. Okay, she looked familiar. I don't who know. is she? Is somebody? But I don't. I don't know. Not not really as big well. as Alice Braga. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well. All right. Uh, three and a half. Kevin. Let's see, I'm trying to think of what I should actually talk about in this long list. Um, I'll just yeah, just real quick. Um, I rewatched Bronson. Enjoyed it. Uh. Not quite as good as, you know, Driver, Only God Forgives, or Neon Demon, but it's getting there. You think? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I really, like, I thought Tom Hardy was pretty good, and, like, I really, like, I really like that scene where, um, like, he's in the nut house and they're playing Pet Shop Boys, and everybody's dancing, you know, so, three and a half. Uh, Twilight Zone movie. Um, See, now, I really... I downloaded this movie and was going to watch it. And I didn't have time. I really wanted to rewatch it to talk about it. You want to wait? I do. I want you okay, to wait. Okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Because sure. <laughs> I really want to talk about Twilight Zone. I've never okay. seen it. We should all watch Twilight That's not my pick, but we should all watch Twilight Zone for next week. Right. <laughs> John, have you seen it, that? No. Is it your turn? It is my turn. Jesus. I feel like it was just your turn. <laughs> I don't want to waste my pick on Twilight Zone. It's a good movie, though. I want us all to watch it. I just right, don't want right. to waste my pick on it. No, I'll watch it. I'll okay, find it. Cool. Okay. It's on. It's on. Uh, there's a Reddit thread with like full movies on Vimeo, and it's on there, and you can download it actually. So. <laughs> cool. 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 Um, let's see. I watched Trapeze with Burt Lancaster and Tony Curtis, and that's a really good movie. Like one yeah. of one of Lancaster's best performances, and like he and Tony Curtis are a double act that didn't do enough. I think they did like two movies, this and Sweet Smell of Success, and they are so good off of each other. And I finally got around to watching Black Klansman. Um, Disappointed in you, Kevin. What do you mean? Would you, would you give this like a three? Maybe a three and a half. Two? Three, oh, and a half. Okay. three and a half. Okay, okay never mind. That's all right. I thought it was like two and a half or something. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you didn't give it a five, so. You gave it a four, didn't you? I gave it a four, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like way back in the day when John was like, Kevin, I got to talk to you about Fury, man. Like, <laughs> you gave it like three and a half, and like, it's brutal. Know, I gave it a At four. Least a four. Like- <laughs> At least a four. <laughs> I hadn't met Rustin at that point, so like, Rustin oh, yeah. wasn't there to like chide me. It's so. the drop off. Rustin, right. I think Rustin only gives it a four, too, which, oh, okay. which is ridiculous because it should be like a six out of five for him. Yeah, it sounds like it's like a tank movie. Real, he loves yeah, tanks. Is this the Brad Pitt movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is this the Brad, the Brad Pitt? <laughs> so confused. No, looking. no, it's the Shia LaBeouf movie. Thank you very much. From David fucking Ayer. It's this the Logan Lerman movie. film. Have you not seen Fury? 
No. Oh, get on, get on it. It's it's really good, actually. It's Shia LaBeouf and Michael Pena with David Ayer. No thanks. <laughs> no, you should watch it. All right, I'll watch For it. For real. There's a scene in a French townhouse that is unbelievably good. So yeah. good. John John Bernthal rules. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is it's actually really good. There are, there are a lot of problems with it. I'm not going to lie. But oh, yeah. John Bernthal, I'm looking, plays a character named Coonass. Yeah, he's Coonass. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd, but uh he's, he's good though. I, trust right, me. There's a scene that. that's really good. I, I promise. And there's some really good action in it. So Shia LaBeouf's name is Bible. What is happening? He's he's a born again <laughs> Christian. No, let, let me tell you this, Jr. Okay, a tooth for this shit. Jr. Have you have you seen other David Ayer films that he's directed? Let's see the Schwarzenegger one, Sabotage. I've seen Suicide Squad, which yeah. sucks. What else? Yeah, Harsh Times. Not okay, good. Harsh Times is the worst. Now let, let, me, let me Street <laughs> Kings. Also, right, 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 right. Shit list. Let me tell you this, Jr. You're gonna watch Fury, and you're not going. It's going to boggle your mind how this man directed this movie, and as well as all those films. Bright? Yeah, he directed. I didn't, I didn't see Bright. I just no. It looks like shit. That. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, dude. And Sabotage is probably the worst movie he's directed, and he directed it the same worse year. than Harsh Times. Yeah. And he directed the same year as this movie, and it's gonna boggle. Uh, seriously, it's gonna boggle your mind how he made both these films. He has three films that are just direct Training Day ripoffs. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Well, he wrote Training Day, so he's he's allowed. It's all he knows, <laughs> right? All yeah. He knows. No, harsh, go back to the well. You know, Sab- Sabotage was really Sabotage was worse for me only because than Harsh Times only because I was really expecting it to be good. Oh right! Because it was like Schwarzenegger coming back, and yeah, it was yeah. like you know this. Oh, yeah. It looked like it was some kind of like more like a realist, almost like a Sicario kind of thing, like a realistic DEA kind of procedural. But it was really just goofy action, right, terrible. Yeah. So lots of CG blood and bullet yeah. hits. Yeah. So yeah, Black Klansman is really good, but there there are parts of it that I'm like, ah, this seems a little forced. This seems a little. It, this seems like you're just trying to hammer a point home and it's like like like, like that that scene where uh Ron is like running uh, spoiler alert for everyone who hasn't seen it like it's towards the end where he's like running t- trying to get to Patrice's house cuz that woman is going to blow her up yeah and like he gets stopped by the white cops and they start beating him up cuz they don't believe he's a black undercover policeman and it's like sure okay yes i get i get that this happens this is a legitimate thing that happens but like from a suspense standpoint, this is just dragging it out. And, like, it's obvious that it's dragging it out, in in my view. Yeah. And so, like, yeah. like, And then, like, the when he's watching uh, the speech towards the beginning and, like, you're seeing all the silhouettes of the people in the crowd, it's like Spike Lee is like, yeah, this is a hard crime film, but don't forget that I'm an artist. I'm an artist, too. <laughs> oh, come on. It just It just felt, like, really out of place. And it's like... Dude, you you didn't have to do all these silhouetted moving heads. Like you could have just done like nice close-ups of the people in the audience and like gotten their genuine reactions instead of them but do you, having you didn't get it. The uh, shadows uh, apparently. the shadows are black. <laughs> I think the opening That's the part that I didn't get. <laughs> I was just kidding. I think the, the opening scene of this movie sets it up to where it's like, okay, like this is going to be something different it's not it's not it's not it's definitely not set in like a real like a real universe i don't feel like yeah and y'all y'all have talked about that before yeah and like um 
But yeah, like I would like he probably won't, but I would like to see Adam Driver win for best supporting actor because I thought he was really really great. Like he's good. That's that scene where the dude is trying to like interrogate him <laughs> and yeah. like. Jr. Jr. hates Adam <laughs> Driver. No, the I just I, I'm shaking my head at the idea of Adam Driver winning because I can see a scenario where Adam Driver is the only person from this movie to win an award, yeah. and he's the white guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that but would be. I bad. can see that happening. Yeah, but I he's mean, playing Jewish, so still a minority. Yeah, yeah. his character anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, that scene where the dude's interrogating him and he's you know. Like this, you know, clan members going on about the uh, the Holocaust being fake, and then Driver immediately comes back with like, "What are you talking about? That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard of." Yeah, just rounding them all up and gassing them and putting them out of their misery. Like that's beautiful, man. How can you not believe that? <laughs> he's he's good. It was Jeez. yeah. Like, I liked I like I thought all the acting acting was yeah. solid, and I liked the girl in it too. I don't know who she is, but I thought she was pretty. Yeah, good. um, yeah, and like. I, I really appreciated the fact that they gave Isaiah Whitlock Jr. his Clay Davis moment at the very beginning. Like, she... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. A, a well-put-together movie. I just, you know, yeah, certain things don't hold up for me. Hope Spike Lee, so I hope Spike Lee takes the statue for direction. I really do. I think he'd, he... he it's because that's what the Oscars do, you know? They don't they don't give you it for things you deserve. They give it to you because you're overdue. And I think he's well, overdue. And that's... I, I think they're actually going to give him the screenplay one. Yeah, I can and see that. he's not mm-hmm. even going to win for a director. He's going to get an Oscar from a screenplay that, I, you know, I think is fine. Right. Right. Serviceable. He was robbed in 92 for Malcolm X. Anyway, uh, Jonathan? Um... Finally got around to watching Casino Royale. Good for you, bud. Now, Total piece of shit. No, (laughs) you don't believe that. After the last couple Bond movies, this is like mind-blowingly good. It's like, (laughs) it's ridiculous. But uh, Now, you're talking about the parody one from the 60s with Woody Allen? Sellers? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, the 2006 one. Uh, It was good. It was was Mm. enjoyable. uh, From the director of... You Something? ready? Goldeneye. Really? Yeah. Martin Campbell. See, in my head... Also, I, Edge of Darkness. In my head, I like Goldeneye a lot, but I don't know if that's good. No, it's, it I probably feel, doesn't hold I up. I feel the same way. Like, <laughs> like, I remember seeing it as a kid, and like, I think it was the first Bond movie I saw, and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And like, I remember liking Brosnan as, you know, not Sean Connery, not Roger Moore, like doing his own thing as Bond. And Daniel he's, Craig, he's though, right. good Bond. It's uh, he's good. Dark Bond, movie. very dark. Yeah, <laughs> um, murdery. Yeah, yeah. Not not nearly as much so as in Quantum of Solace, though. And I hope you get to. I'm, it, I'm getting to it. it I'm is, getting to that next. Right, right. If you think he's intense in this one, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to watch this. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, evil. Yeah. Uh, I I like all the poker shit. Like I love that stuff. Like, That's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just how about the, the ladies movie. in it, and all the all the love stuff, the and how he wants to leave multiple Bond girls. Yeah, like right. <laughs> um, Eva Green. Who's the other one? I don't remember. Is there um, I'm not sure. 
Oh, there's like the wife at the like towards the beginning, and then there's the British like. Oh, okay. Financial fi- financer. Eva Green's the one that he falls in love with, who dies in the in the drowns in the uh, yeah that's house her. or whatever. Mm. Um, they all die. Yeah, yeah, they all die. What are we talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's good though. I gave it a three. Solid, solid movie. I'm excited to watch Quantum of Solace. I hope you like it. It's I like Quantum of Solace the most out of any and Bond film Quantum I've ever seen. Was uh, what Skyfall. Skyfall? Skyfall. I hadn't seen Skyfall. You haven't seen Skyfall? No, that's not good. Well, <laughs> strictly speaking, I don't think he needs to see Skyfall. No, it's better than Spectre, though. I saw Ma- Spectre, and it was Spectre was shit. It's it was a train pain- wreck. It was man. painful. Yeah. It's a train wreck. I uh, I rewatched. Uh, I'm gonna burn through two real quick just to save time. I rewatched The Princess Bride for the first time in almost 20 years. And uh, it's fine. It's kind of funny at parts. Uh, I'm not. I don't have the long history with this movie that would afford it a five star rating, uh, like my wife does. She loves this thing, and I bought it for her on Criterion for her birthday or Christmas. I can't remember. And we watched it. it looks great. Uh, good moments. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Robin Wright has never looked better. And I know this is her first film. She's gorgeous in this, man. I didn't even recognize her at first. I was like, good God, that's Robin Wright. She looks great. Mm. Anyway, um, Billy Crystal, not funny at all. Like, brutal. That whole scene (laughs) with Billy Crystal and and, uh, What's-Her-Face and the old people makeup, I can't do it. I just cannot (laughs) fucking do it. It's it's awful. Uh, Then... uh, watched oh it's just one more thing peter falk just anything peter falk wants to do i'll watch it like the guy is just the best he's yeah. he's just so effortlessly charming as this old man it's just great i watched a movie called black 47 which is um directed by a fellow named lance daly uh and i just saw this movie randomly pop up on apple trailers so i watched the trailer and it's like this drama about this soldier who comes back from a war he was fighting for england in 1847 he comes back to ireland during the potato famine everybody he knows is dead because like the british have been like hanging people and they're kicking them out of their homes and he uh he doesn't like it he doesn't take kindly to it so he starts taking revenge on all the local uh magistrates and whatnot and it gets it gets pretty hairy he uh shoots a lot of them and he has this killer like curved blade that he uses to like hack people up and shit uh and they the british government hire uh agent smith uh, what's his name? Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Uh, a grizzled, just <laughs> uh, bearded Hugo Weaving who just looks amazing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they hire him because he's like a great detective and they want him to find this guy and take him out. And uh, there's some like he knows who he, they like serve together at some point. Really. Mm. And uh, it's not it's 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 OK. It could have been a lot better. There are some action scenes in this that are like really good like i would i look forward to seeing this guy do more action the uh the director but yeah there's some solid solid like realistic you know musket fighting knife and musket kind of shit like indian fighting almost kind of thing i don't know it's solid uh i gave it a three hmm. so i got one more to talk about but i'll i'll wait till it's my turn again jr all right uh i watched can you ever forgive me which is about a, uh, it's like a, it's a true, true story. story. Yeah. Mostly true story 
about a down-on-her-luck author who's a celebrity biographer named Lee Israel, who has a very thorny, horrible personality. Uh, and Melissa McCarthy pulls it off pretty well. Uh, she can't get a job, can't find work, but stumbles across like a, a letter from a, a dead celebrity and makes some money selling it and decides to uh, start composing letters from dead celebrities and selling them as actually coming from those celebrities. Like, uh, you know, she writes a letter as Marlena Dietrich and then, you know, like writes it on an old typewriter and figures out a way to, uh, you know, treat the paper so it looks old and makes money like that. And uh, Richard E. Grant is the guy who's helping her. You know, they're kind of spreading out and both selling these to different rare bookstores. Um, Melissa McCarthy is really good. Richard E. Grant is great. The story is really interesting, but uh, doesn't really go deeper than surface level. Like, at one point, you just see, like, 14 typewriters in her home, but they never, like, go into where she got them, how she found them. How she figured out eBay. who was using what typewriter? <laughs> well, it's set in the late eighties. Oh, um, thrift stores. Yeah, <laughs> and and then like, like so at one point you see her like with a piece of paper on like like pulling a piece of paper out of the oven, but that's the only time you ever see her like treat the paper. You think there'd uh, be like just, a montage of her making? You know what I mean? Doing all that. Kind you of would. Stuff. Yeah. You would think that. Like, that, there's like some procedural stuff that just could have been in there to make it better. But, um, you know, I think they're just kind of relying on the two performances that are, you know, and they're good. Uh, I think both of them deserve their Oscar nominations. And will they have a chance of winning? You know, I, I, I am not convinced that Mahershala Ali has his win all sewn up. Um, I is, he, see, is he for supporting? Yeah, he's for supporting. So I could see... You know, one of the old men, Richard Grant, or uh, what's his name, Sam? Sam Elliott. Thank you. I, th- I could see I think one Sam of them. Elliot. Isn't in. Sam Elliott the front runner? No, that's what I've Mahershala heard. Mahershala Ali is the front runner. Are you sure? Yeah, because Mahershala Ali is the only one that's won any of the other awards. That makes him a front runner. Yeah, I mean, yes, he's won SAG. And Golden Globe. Oh, you mean? Oh, I see what you're uh, saying. Okay. I thought you meant he's won an Oscar before. No, no, no. And just like the the Vegas odds have him as like one of the biggest favorites in all of the Oscars. I do not. Oh boy, I I, I would <laughs> bet money he will not win. I don't see him I winning really, at all. I really hope it's one of the old men that wins. I feel like it's. I feel like Sam Elliott is beloved, and they will give it to him just because they love him. These people fucking love this guy, and if it's not him. I could see Richard E. Grant taking it because, again, he's due, right? But he's not yeah. a name either, so that's hard. Right, People yeah. don't know who he is. Yeah. I, I'm quite sure that uh, I don't think Adam Driver has a chance. No, he's, and I can't remember, Sam I can't remember who the fifth guy is. Sam no. Rockwell from Vice. Sam, he won fucking last year. Yeah, no, right? <laughs> he has to be nominated again. That's what you do. You win, and then you're instantly nominated again for whatever you're in. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah, I mean, that's and that is why Mahershala Ali is going to get his nomination for Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good one uh, Kevin 
Uh, yeah, I'll run through a couple more of these real quick. Uh, rewatched American Psycho. Um, like the book. Yeah, I gotta not gotta very, rewatch this one. And not very it too. interesting, in my opinion. Like, oh, no. I think there are a lot of like good ideas that just don't they just don't go anywhere. And like, I don't I don't know if that's uh, Brett Easton Ellis's fault or if it's Mary Heron's fault or you know whatever. But I, I just I mean Christian Bale is fine as you know a you know sociopathic killer and. You know, uh, the uh, the other the stuff that goes on in the office. Like, that's where I think, like, probably it, like, really goes goes wrong. Where it's like, you know, you have, like, this really, like, weird office life with all these yuppies. And, like, sure. nobody really knows who each other, you know, they all look pretty much the same. And they buy the same clothes and, you know, have the same haircuts and everything. So I think you could have gone a lot farther with, like, you know, who is Patrick Bateman as a you know, as a living person. Cause like, that was one of the things I really liked about like the first chapter in the book where like it starts off where you think it's in third person, but then it turns out that it's in first person and it's bait and it's Bateman speaking. So, but then it goes on to like, you know, just, you know, random eighties, uh, decadence here and there and, you know, whatever. And like, it just becomes less and less interesting as it goes on. And it's like the same thing with the movie. Like it's you know takes a uninteresting premise and just you know has it with moving pictures. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so I also rewatched Annie Hall. Um, I'm not sure how upfront I've been about this or if it's even come up very often. But I am not a Woody Allen fan. Like you know even you know totally disregarding. Oh, yeah, his, way, to, way to take a scumbaggery. <laughs> Such a hero. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, right? Uh, but yeah, like, fuck this movie. It's so fucking annoying. And like, you know, Shit. and like, you know, there's always, there always, there's always the argument like, you know, you, uh, you have to separate the art from the artist. Like, you can't do that with Woody Allen. He is intrinsic to his art. Like, he is so deep into like everything that he does yeah but while you're watching annie hall you're not thinking about the fact that he's been accused of sexual assault are you i mean is that something you can't a little bit like really oh i'll give you a for instance yeah please like oh my grandmother could never do that she was too busy being raped by cossacks (laughs) and like (laughs) all right good good impression (laughs) i mean it signals jerry it signals um I've only seen yeah, this so, once, but I, I remember liking it quite a bit, so I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, and, like, like there's a part where, like, some, some like, he and Diane Keaton are standing in line for a movie, and some dude's, like, breaking That's down. That's the like, best. you got to love that. Come on. You've, you've been Woody Allen in that scene before. These douchebags <laughs> who, like, think they know what they're talking about. That's the thing, though. He has to call them out. That's the thing, though. Woody Allen is also this same douchebag, but he's just... He's not... But He no, just happens no, no, to be no, no, directing no, no, no. the movie. Yeah, but Woody Allen's not... I feel like he's... Well, not Woody Allen, but the character that he plays yeah. in the film is the guy who knows all that shit, but doesn't stand there pronouncing it in front of everybody so everybody else can... <laughs> it's like we were playing Magic the other day at Little Wars, 
and there were these guys playing Dungeons and Dragons behind us, and this they were just started talking randomly about movies, and they were playing with Ready Player One. Remember that? Uh, the, the one guy was like, they were like, yeah, Blade Runner, and the, the guy's like, no, the Blade Runner, yeah, that came out in the late 70s, and I was just like... <laughs> I was like, no. It, I, I just wanted to say, like, no, it didn't. Like, it, what, yeah, you want to correct them, but it's just like, just uh, let them stew in their <laughs> stupidity. It's brutal. It's brutal. But anyway, I, yeah. I realize that. But like, but then he, then like, his character goes on to do the same thing about life. Mm. You know, <laughs> and like, you know, the the movie opens up with him like, I, I just don't understand why my relationships don't work out. And then the rest of the movie is just him proving what an asshole he is. And it's like. Dude, like, if you were really as self-aware as you are making yourself out to be, you know, yeah, you would know by now that you're a piece of shit. <laughs> and, like, you know, this isn't but some that's... unreliable narrator kind of thing going on. JR is dying here. Go ahead, JR. I know, JR <laughs> gave it a four and a half, but, like, I'm, I'm sorry, man. Like, I just cannot get behind this... this worship of Woody Allen because like not a, that, that that's not fair though it's not like saying that you like Annie Hall and you worship Woody no, Allen no, like, like, but like in general there is this no I agree vent, with that there is yeah, this sure. veneration of him as a director and as a comic you know match point rules okay and you're I haven't not going to convince it. me differently it's, I haven't seen his it. greatest film uh, okay but yeah but like yeah I just it's it just hit all the wrong buttons for me so mm. Yeah, it happens. Jr., do you want to rebut or? I mean, not, not really. Except just that, I think. The, yeah, the character thinks he's really self-aware, but like, his romantic stuff reveals that he's not as self-aware as he believes himself to be, and I, I think that's you know part of it. Um, but otherwise, I don't have. I haven't seen it in a long time. I don't have any mm-hmm. other rebuttals. Okay. okay. And also, it's so you know, it's okay to not like a. Uh, it's okay to not like one of the best comedies of all time. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and and I'm saying that as like people consider it one of the best comedies of all time. Yeah, I know. One like, best picture. Yeah, yeah which is weird. It's one of the, I think weird. it's the last comedy to win best picture. If you call it a comedy, <laughs> I think most people do. <laughs> <laughs> I like the scene with Jeff Goldblum where he's calling his uh, guru because he can't remember his ma- mantra. He's like, I can't remember my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, anyway, uh, is that no, are you done, no. is it John? Yeah, I'll, I'll just go through these. Uh, oh, you're out. Yeah. Okay. Ar- rewatched Argo first time since the theater. Let's give a shout out to Scoot McNary. <laughs> Does not get the credit that he deserves for being like he's a little he's spread a little thin at this point though. Yeah, he's in everything. Like, yeah, but yeah. this but this was like 2012. No, like, he's he, great. He, was, he wasn't remember, everywhere. I remember seeing this and like and seeing him and being like, oh, that's I know that guy. That's Scoot McNary. Yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah, like overall the movie isn't amazing. You know, it's it's a decent enough movie. Three out of mm-hmm. three out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, rewatched Army of Darkness. Really, really funny. It's so weird that you rewatched that because I was just thinking about how I need to rewatch it because I showed a scene from it to my kids at the uh, school. I showed them the scene in the graveyard where he gets sucked <laughs> into the book. Oh, right. Because we were reading a short story about a, a kid who has a talking book. I was like, this is, this is a movie that has that. Right. <laughs> the Nepro- Necronomicon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and last, li- last night, uh, rewatched Back to the Future. Also decent. Um,. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I think the 
the thing that I liked the least about Back to the Future is the score. Alan Silvestri's no score. way. Like, Are you serious? I, I it's just, a classic. It's like up there with Star Wars. Right. So good. All right. You're wrong. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I, uh, I last thing is I watched uh, Under the Silver Lake, uh, which I downloaded illegally because it's not even in theaters until April apparently. But it's like a, from last year. I don't know what's going on with this what movie. Although when you watch it, you find out why it's got such a weird release schedule because nobody is going to like this movie at all. Uh, it's not for <laughs> general audiences. It's over two and a half hours long. And uh, it's a noir mystery, neo-noir, and it's got the classic noir soundtrack. Great fucking score by Disaster Piece that's very reminiscent of, like, you know, I don't even know, Double and Dim. All these movies back in the 40s, you know, like these right. noir films. and um, Which I'm not even that schooled in, but the, the score is incredible for this film. Uh, and it's about uh, Andrew Garfield plays this uh, slacker stoner guy who lives in an apartment that he can't afford in so I guess so silver Lake. I don't know. Los Angeles. And um, yeah, it's like a, it's a hipster neighborhood. Right. In Los Angeles. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, he's just living a, a completely, uh, you know, meaningless existence. He's got no job. He's got nothing going on. He's talking to his mom on the phone and uh, he can't, he's about to get kicked out of his apartment cause he can't pay the rent. He's got a, a neighbor who's topless all the time. He's banging <laughs> random chicks, you know, because he's just hot as fuck. He's Andrew Garfield. Am I right? And uh, <laughs> he um, he meets a a girl played by Riley Keough who lives downstairs who is, I don't know if you don't know who Riley Keough is, gorgeous. And uh, he decides to uh, hang out with her and he tries to bed her and uh, he's unable to because there's company that comes to her apartment. And then he notices uh the next day she's vanished without a trace she's the apartment's gone it's empty uh she's not there he doesn't know where she went and the rest of the movie is him on a uh, being the detective trying to find her and uh you get some shades of like brick in there only because it's like so obviously a nod to noir right with the score and everything and with just like the way he is he's like you know just like this slacker young guy um and then there's a lot of like it just gets really weird at points. There's like the some of the people he meets and has to con get in contact with are uh extremely eccentric and just bizarre and there's there are these murders that start happening and uh I don't want to get too deep into it, but the conspiracies galore mm. and uh there's an incredibly violent beating to death scene at one point. Uh just really bloody and uh are we talking like casino level violence no we're talking like um you, you speaking of drive in the elevator when he crushes the guy's skull <laughs> with his boot like oh, that yeah. like that but wow. more graphic wow hangs on it longer uh <laughs> but anyway uh i gave it a three and a half and i liked it quite a bit but i think the biggest problem with it is that they they kind of like tie up everything and there is no mystery left at the end of the film. Mm. And mm. I'm more the older I get, it feels like the more I appreciate when there is lots of mystery left over that I yeah. can chew on and think about. And there's nothing left at the end of this movie, pretty much. It's just like, oh, that's what it was. Oh, all right, well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it's just kind of a bummer. But uh, there's some good, like, him figuring out stuff, some good detective work. Like, he has to... There's a... There's a... <laughs> 
John's going to love this. There's a map in the first issue of Nintendo Power Magazine that plays a great deal uh, into the plot. And uh, he has to, like, match it with a map of Silver Lake to find out where he needs to go to find other things. And it's 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 interesting. Nice. Uh, yeah, so that's all. That's good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I, I would recommend it. The, the, its biggest fault is that it's, like I say, no mystery left, and it's way too fucking long. I mean, mm. it's so long. But, you know, it's enjoy. Like, you don't get bored watching it or anything. It's just... So goddamn long. I like it better than It Follows, which is the director's previous film. Mm. Um, but and I liked It Follows okay, but this is this is a step a step above that, I'd say. So oh, and it reminds me also. JR's in a zoo. Mm. I know, right? <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of um, of La La Land, but only in that it's using a lot of the same locations. Mm. Oh, really? Because it's you know all over yeah. Los Angeles, and right, specifically yeah. like they go to that. Uh, observatory or whatever at the top right, of that yeah. hill. Hmm. Anyway, three and a half. JR, you got anything left? Yeah, I just want to do a quick uh, recap of some Paul Verhoeven stuff. Mm. So I watched, uh, I watched the features of his I had not seen yet. Some of which were good, some of which were awful. <laughs> um, uh, best ones that I just watched for the first time were The Fourth Man in 1983, which is kind of a weird like sex noir it works for the most part and then uh katie tipple which is a movie he made in 75 about um uh, a we'll we'll call her a very uh poor woman in like a 1800s amsterdam who kind of rises through society but also just deals a lot of shit um and just because it's Paul Verhoeven, it doesn't get into like, doesn't go like full miserableist at, like a lot of these movies would. Um, I rewatched RoboCop for the first time as an adult. Uh, it's really good, as as I think we've said here on here before. It was well, we in like RoboCop. It was in Jonathan's top fifty, I think. <laughs> yeah. Might have been in mine too, actually. Oh yeah, I'm sure. definitely. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't, I, uh, I need to re up that. <laughs> And I watched uh, Showgirls for the first time and uh, was pleasantly <laughs> surprised by how entertaining it is. Hmm. Um, the You know, the first scene where Elizabeth Berkeley gets in this guy's truck and just, like, loses her shit on the guy. Um, if you can, like, get on Elizabeth Berkeley's, like, horrible level, then you can really get into Showgirls. I don't... I've never seen... I've seen the first uh, maybe, like... 15 minutes of it on tv once wait really yeah yeah because i've I've seen this and i i i swear to i swear to god like it wasn't with me really yeah well now i don't know where i've maybe we got together and we watched like the boob scenes or something when we were kids because i I remember this movie being pretty (laughs) like huge when it came out right isn't the uh isn't the 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 fellow from um who played mercutio and romeo and juliet isn't he in it the black guy yeah harold perrineau isn't he in it am i thinking of somebody else as who? I, have I, don't, no I have no fucking clue, man. Mm. Perrin, no. Uh, Sorry. Continue. Was, was this movie released as an NC-17? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it is okay. uh, the most successful NC-17 movie ever. Okay. In America, even though it was a flop, apparently. Oh, right. And it ruined Elizabeth Berkeley's career. Right. And this is 1995? Uh, yeah. It didn't ruin Paul Verhoeven's because he made uh, Starship Troopers right after it. 
Yeah. That ruined it. <laughs> I've been meaning to rewatch that. It's uh Yeah, there I mean there is there is like a line said just dead serious where like this this former boss, her strip club, Elizabeth Berkeley strip club boss, looks at her and says, It must be weird not getting come on all the time. Well, <laughs> all right. it's, uh, it, it, again, it must be it, weird indeed. It's uh, it's it's beautiful. It's great. I'm gonna have to check it out. I mean, it, it's it's not like <laughs> it's not perfect. It's three and a half. It's from right, right. uh, film yak celebrity uh, Joe Esterhouse wrote this uh, from the Mel Gibson recording. <laughs> you know, the one he's screaming at. Oh, yeah. right. the Mel Gibson recording. Joe Esterhouse. Who wants to eat? <laughs> Who wants to fucking eat? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get some of that anger in the in the bounty in a minute. Oh when yeah, we talk about it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, you guys want to move on? Is that all right? Or, yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's let's do the bounty. Let's move on to the bounty from 1984, directed by Roger Donaldson, starring. A young Mel Gibson, a young Anthony Hopkins, a young D-Day Lewis. A very young uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah. Fletcher Dexter, Liam Neeson. Or at yeah, least lots of, looks lots very of young random enough. British yeah. actors. And yeah. and I'm so old I don't recognize him, Lawrence Olivier. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lawrence <laughs> Olivier, yeah. Who's the, who's the one guy on the ship who looks like he's a member of a new wave band? Do you know who I'm talking about? It's like skinny. Um, uh, Liam Neeson. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not Liam Neeson. He's like, oh, I, I know who you're talking about. I feel like he's a member of a new wave band. Like, well, what did he do in the movie? He's one of the sailors. I forget. He's always in the background. He's like in the background of like every fucking scene, uh, standing there staring at the camera. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I tried to look yeah. him up earlier, and I couldn't figure out which one of them he was because I don't think he has a picture on IMDb. But anyway, uh, Kevin, you want to explain your uh, your reasoning for subjecting us to this movie? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Why? Well, you know, we needed we needed another maritime movie. Right. It had been too long, of course. Um, but yeah, like I had seen it a long time ago, and like yeah, just by virtue of the cast, like I figured this would be something that we could, you know, easily have a lot to talk about. Sure. I don't. Do think... you remember liking it a long time ago? I remember liking it. Um, that was just a and... joke, by the way. I don't. I'm not <laughs> saying that it was bad or anything. I just, right. I was kidding. It's a joke. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I figured, yeah, this, t- you know, something we could get a lot of talking out of. So the cast is insane. Yeah. I, I mean, mean it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I feel like when I, uh, this is my second time watching it also. And um, I feel like Mel Gibson is just so, it's so weird to watch him, especially in the first half of this movie when he essentially has no lines. He has like four lines in the first hour of this movie. Mm. And he's always just like standing there. And I'm just like, it's that's Mel Gibson. Like, right. It feels like he should be the, the guy, but we're focusing on Anthony Hopkins. This was 84? Yeah. When was uh, Road Warrior? Was 81. 81, okay. Yeah. Or 82, so maybe. I felt like he should be the guy because in the second half of the movie, they make him the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that, but I, 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 I just mean from a cultural standpoint of like, you know, you grow up watching Mel Gibson. He's the movie star. Like he's he's a bigger name than Anthony Hopkins is even at that point. Yeah, yeah. At kind, this, kind of, I would say at this point he is. Yeah, kind Maybe, of at all points. Yeah. What are we even talking about? I mean, <laughs> like, I mean, what are we like? Is Mel Gibson for God's sake? He's he's I mean, had he not had his scandals, he'd be where Tom Cruise is probably right now. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's it's weird that he's playing this kind of secondary role i mean second build in the movie it's it's just it's strange but that's not his fault or the movie's fault 
it's uh, it's my fault for letting that bother me. Uh, and it doesn't bother me that much. Mm. I do think also, though, that um, I'll just say I like the movie quite a bit, actually. Uh, and I think it's looks extremely good, except for the... I watched half of it on DVD and half on Prime, and both the uh, prints look like shit. But the shots are beautiful. And um, I think that Mel Gibson's a little outclassed in it, I'll say it. I don't think he's giving a very good performance, and I think he's not really capable of giving this kind of performance very well. And I think it shows in a scene like what we were talking about when he yeah. has to get yelly and uh, <laughs> screaming at Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. Whereas Anthony Hopkins delivers, he's barking a lot in this movie, you know. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Turning very red. Yeah. yeah, and it's like when, when, when Gibson, it feels like Gibson's trying to outdo him whenever he mutinies and starts screaming at him and it's just like a little it's like he's just, just relax man you know? for, like, for me it was a little weird to see Daniel Day-Lewis like not beast in like beast mode like he was just kind of <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he was just there like the entire movie I'm just like this is weird yeah I need him like I wonder reaching how, for the Oscar or right how how deep into everyone. his character do you think he got on this one I, I don't <laughs> think he did question. at all like, especially like I don't think he did at all <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this know, movie man. made him change. I don't know. Well, like apparently, like when he was doing the Crucible, he was hanging out with Amish people and right, building houses right, right. and like you know. What living... year is that? That's like ninety five. That's okay. That's, so he's, yeah, he's an he's an established one. Yeah, he's already it? won his Oscar. Yeah, in ninety one, he would have won his Oscar. That's oh, true. Right, right, right. Mm. Let's just look it up though. But go yeah. ahead and keep talking. But yeah, um, yeah. Ninety six, the Crucible. Oh, really it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> no, he's, no, he'd, ar- he he'd already been. Uh, he'd already done uh, Last of the Mohicans, Age of Innocence, uh, and the Name right, of the right. Father. I mean, yeah. Okay. He's deep into it. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, as far as this one goes, I mean, I don't know what kind of you know nautical preparations he could have done, but he, he sailed for a little while, maybe or something. I don't know. Yeah, I probably did. But I agree, it's it's distracting to see him not um, have more to do. Yeah. And uh, like as far as Liam Neeson goes, like I real like that was one of the things that brought the movie down a little bit for me. Like that scene where like he's he, you know, gets into like a really brutal fight with a guy because he's in his seat. Yeah, like that just seemed way out of place and ridiculous to I me. Kind of like that actually, but okay. it led to the quiet fight. Yeah, and I love the idea of like. They're smart enough to have this like <laughs> silent fight to not bring yeah. the officers down there. And then the officers, they're like, it's too quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something's not right. Right. <laughs> and the music plays or whatever. Yeah. I, I like Liam Neeson throughout, actually. Hmm. I think he was like one of my favorite parts of the movie, actually. Like, he's just, he looks scummy and just yeah, he like. he looks like an asshole. He's yeah, just like, yeah. he looks the part very well and like, I mean, yeah. And when they he like, looks they, like they're a planning. Shitty sailor. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and when yeah. They're, they're like planning the. the when they're going to desert or whatever. And like the guy's like, I'm night shift tonight. He's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they we're good. We're going to do this. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's like, just very good for the part. Yeah. Whereas like, yeah, Mel Gibson just, eh, I don't know. That was, too, the, was too that was pretty. The, that was yeah. the other thing. <laughs> that, like, like, <laughs> that was the other thing that brought it down for me. Like that scene where like, you know, they finally get, you know, Captain Bly up onto the deck and you know, like I am in house. I am in house. Like that's too much. Yeah. That is too much. Like, Roger Donaldson, I realize, like, you're a new director, and this is a big thing for you, working for Dino De Laurentiis and everything, but, like, it's no. Him, it's, for me, it's him just, like, the lines are fine. It's him screaming them. Like, yeah, exactly. You don't exactly. need to scream like, every line. way but, too I mean, over the top. Like, Relax. Like John just said, the, the look, for me, is, like, the biggest part. It's, like, and you have, like, the doctor of the ship is disgusting looking. 
Like he looks horrible. <laughs> he's like like blood red, and he's just like coming out like yeah. he's like drunk, drunk and shit. And they're like, just go back to your quarters or whatever. And yeah, then you have yeah. Mel Gibson. I'm like, it's just like. Yeah, he looks like he just showered. He needs to be, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, he needs to be like muddy and like just, I don't know, 200 pounds heavier. I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of, speaking of, of, of the looks of people, my biggest issue with the film by far, you go to Tahiti, all the women are 20 years old. They have perfect bodies, beautiful breasts. Nothing is wrong with these women. There is no ugly woman on the island of Tahiti. I think my biggest problem is like a lot of them don't even look like they're from Tahiti. They look like probably aren't like hispanic some of them yeah. and then i'm just like yeah They're extras well, this is know. this is weird yeah, yeah. I mean, but i just like i was just at, like this at is... least the, the main girl is from tahiti yeah right she's yeah. the most beautiful for sure <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just i was like this is ridiculous that I, like this is what you see when you come to t- like like you could just get some real islanders and ask you know they probably wouldn't even ask them to go topless or pay them an extra 50 bucks or whatever they did for these girls <laughs> These girls are all models, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think that was probably part of the point, though. Like, because like that's I, mean, I get it. It's like it's paradise or whatever. But well, it's, yeah, and like mm-hmm. the fact that like the the crew that crew of the of the bounty like legit thought that they had died and gone to heaven like in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they don't get so much into it in the movie, but like they were just like passing around women left and right and just living the good <laughs> life and. Um, you know that 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 becomes such a big thing later on when they finally mutiny. Like, right? You know, they spend five months in paradise, and then like, wait a second, you want me to spend another like eighteen months on some shitty boat with this guy barking orders at me? Fuck that! <laughs> you know? And yeah, I I I I did feel maybe like the um, Anthony Hopkins got really intense really quickly. It felt yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Like, it felt like he was cool with them enjoying the island at first, and then all of a sudden he's like, he's resenting it because he's not getting any or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's what just... was the deal with that? Well, I had I read he... somewhere that, like, I think it was on, like, the Wikipedia page for, like, either this or for the other mutiny on the bounty with Clark Gable and Charles Lawton. Like, supposedly there's some, quote-unquote, homoeroticism between mm. Bly and Fletcher Christian in the bounty in this movie, I don't no, really, I don't, see I don't really see that. Yeah. I really feel like it's more like, like Bly is like, you know, like you're my friend. I brought you on, and like now, you, you know, like you're supposed to be my second in command. You're supposed to have dinner with me, man. Yeah, and you're like, over here banging this chick. Well, <laughs> well like, dare you? Well, like I risked, you know, I risked my position by like, you know, just kicking Daniel Day Lewis to the curb in front of everybody, and you know, pointedly making you a favorite. And now you're just turning me over for some, you know, buxom savage. Beautiful savage. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, he, you know, he also has, like, a wife and kids back at home, so he's not 22-year-old <laughs> Fletcher Christian. Fuck London. But, uh, but yeah, it, so it, I think it's more, like, a personal betrayal and, like, um, yeah, like, I, I do agree that it, it comes on a little quick and, but, like, from what I've read, that's how it kind of happened in real life. Like, all of a sudden, Bly was just, like, you know, just on everybody for, you know, the most meager things. And mm-hmm. uh, espe- especially Fletcher, because, you know, they were bosom buddies at one point. Well, and, and Fletcher is also second in command on this boat now. Yeah. Which means he's supposed to be, like, meeting out discipline. Yeah. Like Hopkins is, but he's not. You know, I, I get like why he's like encouraging the crew to to. Yeah. to <laughs> I I get why Hopkins becomes the crazy tyrant, even though like that's 
probably not the best way to reestablish discipline. Um, if there's anything I learned from teaching, it's yelling like a psycho at every little thing is not what what fixes the problem. I don't, um, I don't, don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I, it's weird. the The whole like Hopkins arc is weird because at first he's like just like a hard but just like captain who like is actually giving out pretty light punishments for hangable offenses and then he goes fucking insane and then once he is on a boat with just like his loyal crew you know and they're all dying he becomes like a man of great character again it's yeah uh, yeah and, and i know like this movie was trying to present like the most historically accurate version of the story that had been seen before because we haven't mentioned it this is a remake of two best picture nominees uh from 1935 and 1960 something mm. but uh have you have any of you guys seen those i i owned the uh brando one for a while on dvd but i never watched it i watched the charles lawton mutiny on the bounty um i've you know, who's just gonna lump it in with this one? Yeah. Uh, and like that one, I think is so much more ridiculous. Like literally, like <laughs> literally, like the bounty hasn't even gotten out of England yet, and like they bring up this dude who's like supposed to be lashed for some offense, and like they tell Bly that like, well, he's already dead, and Bly tells him, "Whip him." <laughs> You know, yeah, it, discipline, Whip discipline, that's right, discipline, God and it's like, right. and yeah, and like, all, like all the way to Tahiti, like he is being, you know, he is being Bly on the second half, like he's just as bad going as they are, you know, leaving, and it's like, yeah. okay, th- from a from a dramatic perspective, that's really shitting the bed, I think. Do they round the horn? Well, they, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Because in both in real life in, that didn't happen. They tried to round the horn and it didn't work. In both versions, like Charles Lawton is Bly and Trevor Howard is Bly in the sixties, and they're both just like full on evil men. Mm. And Clark Gable and Marlon Brando are just straight heroes, no complications. Right. So I definitely I appreciate that this movie tried to make each character more complicated, but the, um, like the balance the balance is really weird. Like while, while Hopkins is being like the upstanding, like a uh, discipline, like we should all remain good salesman kind of guy on Tahiti. Like you have, you, you have, um, what's his, what's his name? Mel Gibson, who just becomes <laughs> like a, this lovesick idiot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then like, we're, I felt like we were supposed to take him like really seriously as, like the lead mutineer and like we're supposed to really feel for his like uh yeah his his torn feelings but i th- i think maybe it's just mel gibson's fault he's just way like you guys said just way overdoes it so it ends up just coming off as ridiculous um yeah he I, just i mean yeah. it seems like it seems like the all the build up to him getting angry and mutinying is these scenes where anthony hopkins is is you know, uh, yelling at him in public or making it humiliating him by asking him to do things. And then, and him just giving these like angry, icy stares at him 
And then all of a sudden, it's just like that one guy comes up and he goes, you should mutiny. <laughs> He's like, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, I mean, I should mutiny. It's, it's just kind of like goofy. I really like the scene where he goes to warn him, though. I like when he says, uh, he says uh, the men aren't, aren't aren't happy, and he says, "Do the men run the boat?" And he goes, "They can if you if you'd like them to." <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. like that's good. That's a good line. Like, yeah, I liked all that stuff a lot. Yeah, but I think yeah. like even even Mel Gibson was saying like, I guess later on, uh, he was like, "Well, you know, Fletcher Christian was like really young and actually really opportunistic, so like he saw." You know, yeah, he was getting belittled in public and humiliated, mm. but he also like saw, you know, an opportunity and decided to take it. And <laughs> like, um, yeah, so yeah, so like, there's more. There was more like, not sinister. Sinister is not the right word, but like, Fletcher wasn't as good as he was presented, and like, I think. Like that was one of the criticisms about it, like, um, that it's not presented in such a way where you can like, you know, be fully with him, but you're not fully against Flesher Christian either. So, hmm. what do you guys think of the score? I really liked it. I, I wasn't the theme. I wasn't so sure. I wanted to kill it. You didn't like it, dude? No, I I really? Murder it. I was. I was. Actually thinking like this is the second Liam Neeson movie with a shitty score. What? This score is solid. You didn't like the score? No, it's and I so just, good. I, I was like, "What is this? It's very of its all time. this twinkly bullshit while we're sailing is ridiculous." I didn't like any of that stuff. Well, hey, I, like all my I, comments relate only to the one theme. <laughs> well, I I'll, I'll, and then there's like, <laughs> when, remember remember when Hopkins is like yelling. Look at the filth. Yeah, and it's like, dang, dang. Like every, yeah, like that, that, that was We confusing. just get like a boom of the score. And I was like, get off of my dick with this score. <laughs> it was, it was very confusing. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. <gasps> like, it felt like it was building to something, and then it just like oh. cut. And I was just like, what? Like, it, it was very weird. <laughs> I don't know. Now, like, I will I will grant you, it's obvious that Vangelis, like, still had some stuff left over from Blade Runner that, like, you know, he wasn't wasn't quite finished with. But, like... I, I will say, like, as far as, like, you know, the synths stuff goes, like, I will much rather take that, even in a more mediocre form, than another bombastic adventure, you know, say, you know, another fucking Errol Flynn adventure score. Like, that was one of the things that was, like, killing me about Mutiny on the Bounty. It's like... This is every fucking pirate score that there's ever been, and it's just yeah, as bad. That was in 1935. There had only been like seven pirate movies with sound. Yeah, all those cliches come from. That. I think there have been more than that. <laughs> no, uh, but <laughs> there had only been sound for five years. There had only been sound for five years. <laughs> I just think this went. This went bombastic, just in a different direction. I uh, and and I'm not even thinking about like the main theme. I just the like all of rules. the incidental <laughs> yeah, twinkly shit and like week, so. the, Vangelis's <laughs> way of building dra- drama with the ridiculous drama was just too much. That's fine. All right, for me. Um, <clears throat> I mean, so comparing this to Master and Commander, but I'd say for me it's better. I like Master and Commander better. I like this. I like this better. 
Master Commander's way better. Oh, I don't agree. Wow. Are, I'm just kidding. Just the, I don't, You're I don't just know. kidding? <laughs> I don't know. Wait, JR said he's kidding. I don't understand. <laughs> I, I'm kidding that, like, I didn't mean to make this sound like it's an awful movie by saying Master Commander's way better. I just really like Master and Commander. Okay. Oh, okay. I like Master and Commander. I like this a little bit more. A little bit more. Yes. Johnson ain't no Peter Weir. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, because I was looking at like the rest of his filmography. And he's I was he's like, garbage, but like this movie, yeah. I think his dire- direction in this movie is really good. I don't know. I don't think he does anything wrong, really. In this I don't movie. know. I'm wondering if this was like... So this started out being a David Lean, Robert Bolt um, production. Thank God and they like, got out of there. To get, <laughs> get Donaldson in the picture. Well, like, uh, like Bolt did the screenplay, but uh, David Lean dropped out for, you know, a number of reasons. But like... I wonder, like, if Donaldson just like, let me try to do David Lean justice. Oh, well, yeah, Donaldson's brutal, man. I didn't if realize David he did Lean all had these. made this, we would never have done a deep dive on it because it would have been two hundred minutes <laughs> for sure. I don't know. Dude, we might have. This guy has one of the worst filmographies I've ever seen. Mm. David Lean, go mm. fuck yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm talking about Donaldson for God's sake. <laughs> He did. He did fucking cocktail and the getaway remake, which I don't know if you've seen it. Is one of the worst movies ever made. Uh, Species Dante's Peak. <laughs> Species, fuck. Oh my god! <laughs> Recently, he did uh, the November Man with uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, yeah. <laughs> Recently, the bank job. The is not when was the that? Twenty fourteen. Wow. The bank job. Yeah, I saw oh, that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that. Oh, is that the one with uh? Statham, oh yeah, right? with yeah, Statham. Statham. That looks it's 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 goofy. decent, really. And I've heard the world's fastest Indian with Hopkins is also decent. I've heard okay things about that as well. Mm. I don't know if I believe them. Yeah, I I'm can't. not gonna. I'm not gonna find out. Me neither. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, um, I don't know. Any 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 other uh, deep insights into the bounty? Um, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I'd give it a three and a half. I'm going two and a half. Ouch. Four and a half. Well, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I really like this. All right. What was up with the Tahitian <laughs> females cutting their heads while the deserters were being whipped? I know, that was fucked, eh? It was weird. I don't know. It's a like, custom, man. You know? Before I give this a rating, I have to know what the fuck that was about. It's just a custom. Like They have to hurt right. themselves and rend their garments. Yeah, I mean, well. Were, were they the doing that? I don't know. Like, it was their lovers that were being. I'm thinking so, yeah. Like, although, although Fletcher Christian Mel wasn't getting. Girl was, yeah. I think it was just she like was... I think it was just the act of violence was bothering them, maybe, huh. or it was maybe it was like a maybe it was like all the girls who were fucking those guys who were getting whipped, and there was just uh, the girl who was with Mel Gibson was a solidarity movement, you know. Yeah, yeah. My girls, guys are getting whipped. I need to cut my forehead <laughs> with a with a shell. Yeah. A conch. Uh, this is a three. Visually awesome. Weird. I have narrative problems. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what's you know what's weird about this is that Dexter Fletcher is in this film, and he, he's he's uh, a film director now. He direct he's directing the uh, Elton John biopic. Oh Rocket, boy, Rocket Man. Hmm. You know him if you look at his face too. He's very recognizable. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, can't wait for that to be just as bad as Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am terrified. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, you want to do this this uh, feedback real quick? Sure. Okay. Well, 
okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna do where did you just one? And then I'll jump to the other one next time. Sure. That way we extend, you know what I mean? We really take advantage. So we'll do the one for JR this time. Is that all right? Okay. So JR, we had a feedback, and I'm not going to read it because it was kind of, um, it's from Jimmy Ray. It was kind of poorly worded. But I will give you the gist. The gist is, you've seen a lot of shit. You agree? Not shit, uh, like yeah, a lot of movies. There's... Okay. And, and that, uh, that includes shit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the question is, do you have... Uh, uh, blind spots still things that from like you know you being a person who will watch every movie by a director to rank yeah. them do you have film directors that you have not gotten into at all i i do um i've so i you know when you sent me this email i i tried to do some research and it was very hard to research my blind spots because they're blind spots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I had trouble thinking of like really known, uh, you know, director names that I, I, I hadn't seen anything from. Maybe Roger um, Donaldson. What? <laughs> Roger Donaldson. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen the bank job. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So like based on the way he worded the email, like if I've seen one movie from the director, it doesn't really qualify. That's um, true. So I look, I think I went through my letterbox watch list looking for some stuff. I found a few things and he did say like uh, directors with a significant amount of movies. Yeah. Um, like I noticed uh, like there's a pretty well known, you know, to, to like foreign film cinephile people, cinephile people, uh, Marguerite Dura. She's like made 19 movies. She wrote one of my favorite movies, Hiroshima Mon Amour, but I've never seen any that she's directed. I really want to see this movie called India Song that I've had on my computer for like five years. Um, I've never seen anything from Jennifer Kent, who only has two movies, but one of them is The Babadook, which was really popular. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to watch that. I've heard good things Um, about that. I haven't seen anything from a guy we talked about last time, Joe uh, Berlinger who did the Paradise Lost trilogy and the Metallica movie and these Ted Bundy things. You haven't seen the Metallica movie? No. Are you kidding? It's so good. I, I really want to. And it's it's on Netflix instant, so I'll, I'll probably get to it soon. I say fucking um, ass, man. It really, yeah, it is. <laughs> the Melanie Laurent, who was in Inglorious Bastards. She's directed oh, yeah. things? She's directed six movies. What? And six? Uh, I've got one of them from Netflix right now called Galveston. That came out oh, last yeah, year yeah, with yeah. Ben Foster. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's, about that. that's based on a novel by Nick Pizzolatto. Yeah, who does yeah. True Detective. So I'll probably hate it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. And she has a, a French movie called Breathe that I heard is uh, is great. That's also on Netflix. So like some of this is like uh, you know like I'm meaning to get to this stuff and I just haven't yet. Um, none of the other like names I came up with are recognizable in any in any sense. Like Jerry Schatzberg, who did Panic in Needle Park. Um, Sally Potter, who did Orlando and The Man Who Cried. Uh, she also did The Party that just came out with John's nemesis, Patricia Clarkson. I do hate her um, guts. <laughs> oh, that reminds me, actually, though. I started watching um, Big Little Lies. Mm. Watched the first episode of the first season, and uh, it's all right. It only it relates because... Patricia Clarkson is in the the, the other series mm. on HBO that is right you know whatever anyway right. uh, <laughs> so 
I mean, is do you guys have any names of directors you know I haven't watched? Because I, I feel like I, I'm in a I'm disappointing this guy because I don't have any I don't have any good names you, for him. You, it's just confirming what he already assumed. I'm sure you know. Just uh, you you have no blind spots. You are you're god man <laughs> of film watching. How about like that's, I mean, have you seen? Sure, all, that's how he thinks of me. What about like animated films? Have you seen like all the Ghibli stuff and everything? Or yeah, I've seen. I have seen little, almost every single Ghibli movie. Fuck. Damn. That's gross. Um, <laughs> there's, I don't know, I don't even know enough about anime to like know if I have blind spots though. What about actor directors? Like, uh, let me think of somebody who's good. Not good, but uh, somebody who has some movies. Like, I mean, like prior to watching The Crossing Guard, had you seen a lot of Sean Penn stuff? Any of his stuff? No. Uh, just The Crossing Guard and Into the Wild. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's, only, it's like the only two more. So. I like Into the Wild. <laughs> yeah, Into the Wild's all right. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of anybody else really off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure it would be, have to be somebody relatively obscure. And I'm sure, like, you know, if any listeners, like, if any listener knows a lot about like African cinema, I I fucking don't. <laughs> but I also I I'm so blind to that whole part of the world that I don't like know any directors i could name an african director yeah i don't i can't think of anybody either like i, I, mean, I know there's a, there's a lot of like neil blomkamp Egyptian. oh yeah neil blomkamp south african yeah, yeah. so it's a little I've bit of a cheat stuff. but uh, yeah yeah <laughs> cornell yeah. wilde made a film in africa i i know like it, egypt has a rich film history that i haven't seen jack oh, shit yeah. from mm. but again i don't know i don't know anything about it all right. Well, uh, thanks for the question, Jimmy. And uh, feel free to write back to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at uh, filmyakpodcast.podient. What is it? Filmyak.podient.co. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, check out the blog, man, because we got trailers all the time. Kevin's just been a crazy man with the blog lately. He's put in like four posts in the last day and a half. Yeah. Uh, next time on the show, it's my pick. Oh, <laughs> and uh, as I said multiple episodes ago on the Valhalla Rising episode, uh, I watched Severed Ways. And ooh, ooh, I know what it's gonna be. I know what it's gonna be. He does. <laughs> I watched Severed Ways, and uh, Severed Ways lifts a scene directly out of the film we're going to watch. And I mean, when I say lifts a scene, I mean like edits it into their movie. Uh, and it's a scene in which a wolf catches on fire, and it's from a movie called Quest for Fire, and that's the movie we're going to watch from 1981, I think. Oh, yeah, uh, okay. Directed by Jean-Jacques Anod. Cool. And uh, I'm really looking forward to rewatching this. It's pretty out there, as I recall. So that's going to be our deep dive for next episode, Jean-Jacques Anod's Quest for Fire. Thank you very much for listening, and until next time, bye-bye. Oh, fools, the magician bends the rules. Is the crowd watches his every Just a shaking hand without a
Hello, Anelk. <sighs> Hello, <laughs> Okay. Cancel the show. <laughs> Get off me. Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a cat. 